and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Today, we're talking about Halloween 2 with our special guest, LaRob. Hey. Yay! Tell the people about yourselves, LaBob. <laughs> hey, everyone. I am LaBob, apparently. <laughs> yes, a singer, organizer, arts administrator in Chicago. You can find me on social media by that name. Um, also, check out my nonprofit organization, Hearing in Color. You can find us on Instagram at hearingincolor.com. C-H-I. Um, we're doing some really cool things. We actually just had a concert a couple of weekends ago um, that is really cool and I advise a lot of people to check it out if you've got the time. I appreciated that you left it up so we could find it online because normally yes. you do them on days I can't go and I'm just like, <laughs> I heard it was good. It was <laughs> all for you. All for you, Shirley. Thank you. I was like VIP. Click. <laughs> <laughs> LaRob, tell us about your history with um, the horror genre. Ooh, well, well, my history, let's see. So <laughs> I really think that the, the very first horror movie that I saw, and I think I told Sheree this story, is was Nightmare on Elm Street. And I was probably like six or seven. And my parents just, they were like, come watch this movie with us. And I was like, okay. So I'm sitting in between, like my, my mom and dad are sitting on the couch and I'm on the floor in between them. And I'm watching this movie and literally like nearly about to shit myself in fear. Um, and then I turn around to like, con you know, looking for some consoling for my parents and they were asleep. Um, <laughs> So I'm sitting here watching this movie about this man who comes in and gets people in their sleep and my parents are asleep. Needless to say, I was scarred for life, but uh, I think that really kind of was the introduction. For some reason, I needed to keep watching movies like that. So I started watching a bunch of stuff. And the other part of this is that I, I also grew up extremely religious. So a lot of like horror things were like really off limits to me. And I was just a rebel kind of taboo-ish child. So I was like, what? I can't watch that witchcraft Harry Potter thing? Great. I'm going to watch it in secret. <laughs> so, so i tended to just like kind of watch it on my own and it just kind of became my thing so here i am here a bunch of years later loving horror movies awesome and what's your favorite horror movie Ooh, come on oh man um a top three. Oh, that's kind of even worse um, okay so i really really love paranormal things i love spirit spirits demons stuff like that so my number one okay i'm gonna do top three top three okay number three is the entire paranormal activity franchise mm -hmm. just it's they're brilliant movies they're amazing they're scary i love them number two is the witch which you guys have already covered loved it love that movie it's amazing and then number one is somewhere between Hereditary and Midsommar. I just watched Hereditary this morning. It's still terrifying. I'm so sorry for you. Was that your first time, Sheree? No, it's my third and a half time. Cause <laughs> so like when LaBob and I were roommates, I was like, this movie looked good and it comes out on my birthday weekend. Let's do it. 
yeah. And we went, and my drunk ass kept hearing things behind me from the vents. <laughs> you're a dark theater, and like Tony Collette is like, I'm gonna get an Oscar for a horror movie. Hold, please. <laughs> and it was just, it was too much. Too That's when I was like, we don't do horror movies on my birthday anymore. Tony yeah. Collette just like ruined that tradition. Yeah, that yeah. movie was terrifying. It's it's still it's kind of one of those movies where it's like I only need to see this one time. I don't need to see it ever again. So the fact that you've watched it three times now, Sheree, I'm just like, mm, girl. <laughs> Let us get into our general thoughts on Halloween too. This is exciting because Labob had never seen a Halloween before this month, and Labob also hates movies where you see the monster. So I'm excited for these general thoughts coming this way. <laughs> 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 yes. So, I mean, as you said, it is a well-known fact that I am a big proponent that I don't need to see the monster in a scary movie. Like, I want my brain to formulate the most vile creation in my head, and then I don't ever want you to show me what the monster is. Just, like, I want to scare myself. So, watching movies, like, that are super, like, you know, slasher are kind of, like, Okay, because well, once I see who I'm fighting against, I'm like, eh, all right. <laughs> um, but I will say, I have not been disappointed yet. You know, I watched the first one a couple of weeks ago, and I watched this one. I mean, I'm not disappointed yet. Michael, he he's kind of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what gets me with slashers, though, is that they're so real. Like, that's what real actual people scare me more than like <laughs> ghosts. I get, well, no, ghosts freak me out too. I don't know. But like, just the idea that someone would just walk up in your house and start stabbing you to death, that's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. I don't understand why people in the 50s didn't lock their damn doors. Right. No, Listen. Seriously, though, what is happening? I think that for me, what it sets Michael apart from other slashers is the fact that. He's just so calm and dedicated. He will not run for you. Mm -hmm. He will not break a sweat for you. Him and his William Shatner mask are moving (laughs) at a five step an hour pace (laughs) and he will find you. (laughs) He always does. Always. He always does. Yeah, he has a calmness to him that is very ghost-like, and I'm I'm here for it. It makes him more terrifying. It's like mm-hmm. when you're fighting with someone and you get calm, and then they like are afraid. but in this one you have a knife (laughs) it's so funny it's so funny i was just reading this thing that was like talking about abusers and in no way am i trying to make light of these situations but in in a way this is what this is where michael myers is so calm he's like abusing you he's like an emotional abuser because he's so calm he forces you to like have these big reactions and you're like what why why are you so calm (laughs) 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 yes yes but yeah and this one it's pretty it's all set in one location for the most part i mean there's few things that happen outside of this hospital but generally everything is in this hospital and like are there no other patients in this whole hospital? I'm real confused about the dynamics. There's babies and there's Lori. That's it. How do you have a whole hospital with five people on staff? <laughs> I needed to know if this was the night shift. <laughs> Even I've then. I've never seen a hospital this understaffed. Right. Like, this is what budget cuts get you. Listen, especially in a town where people showing up missing every five minutes. <laughs> Michael has stabbed so many of his siblings at this point. You would think they would just be on standby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yes. Um, are we ready to get down to the film parts of this? Do All right. It. So the way this film starts is really interesting because it, so it came out in 1981. So yes. that's four years after the first one came out, right? Three years. Yes. And they finally start using Mr. Sandman, which is made for this movie. I always, as a child, I would hear the song. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I saw it in this context, like, this is why it was created. They knew <laughs> Michael Myers is coming <laughs> with a sequel and it was going to be perfect. <laughs> It's so funny because this song for me, I, I, for those who didn't hear me before, I'm a singer, I'm a singer, I'm a singer. Um, so um, hearing this song, I was just like, you know, popping out like, Mr. Seven, and then all of a sudden, death. Like ah, yeah, that juxtaposition is terrifying. Uh, But I will say, I was was just gonna say. So I did love that it went from opening with Sandman to the the scene from the first movie. That I I mean, I laughed the most at this part in the first movie because Michael Myers rising from the dead, which I'm sure is gonna become a thing in these movies, um, is just it's amazing, (laughs) and for. Lori to be standing at this door and then he just like full body just rises up. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> brought back that scene from the first movie to kind of give us some context as to where we are. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then you see, because you see Doc, they do it kind of from a different perspective. Because mm-hmm. in the original, you really see everything from Lori until Loomis is there. And you see Loomis walking in, you see the kids running out, but they did not, like they did in the first one, they did not show his face. You could see his face in the first one, mm-hmm. in that same shot where she pulls his mask off. And this one, they didn't show that, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. And also they, and this is only because I recently watched the first movie that I picked this out, is that they changed where and how he fell, how Michael mm-hmm. fell, just so that Dr. Loomis could like touch the blood stained ground and be like, I shot him, but, <laughs> but he's gone. Right. <laughs> These white people, they are real about don't, don't walk on his grass because that grass. <laughs> Christine, you can see the body print. Listen, the whole body print. I was like, what in the family guy is going on? (laughs) Where do we land on Dr. Loomis's methods so far? (laughs) Now that we've spent a movie with them? As a doctor, how do you recommend? Is he a doctor? I'm starting, I need to see some credentials. Like (laughs) I'm starting to not believe he's actually a doctor because every time he shows up, he's got a gun, he's yelling, this trench coat is suspicious. I don't trust him. Yeah, well, if if anything, he's useless to begin with. Seriously. He, he never comes into play till the end of the movie, and then he's only slightly useful. Oh I just... God. The other thing that I want to say is, like, I don't know, and this will come up many times as we talk about this movie, but, like, I don't get what everybody's obsession is with touching blood with their raw hands. You get it and just say, that's not my blood. That's weird. <laughs> you don't have to touch it. <laughs> I don't need to touch any dead body or any dead blood. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. While he's touching the blood, we get to like see some neighbors because they finally decide to come out <laughs> after she only help no more because they lazy asses went open the doors last time. But now <laughs> they're like, now that Dr. Loomis is here, I'll go investigate <laughs> what has happened. And this is where the movie really starts because like the guy is, he, I forgot what he said, this neighbor who I don't even think we get to actually see. He's just a voice. 
My, well, no, he said, we see him. And my favorite part of this is he says, uh, what's going on? And Dr. Loomis just screams, I shot him. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, who? As he walks close. I'm, I'm like, if someone tells me they shot somebody, I'm not going to get closer to them. Right? 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 And then the, the best part is that he goes, I hope you aren't joking. I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. And I was like, you know what? This, I, I, I no. <laughs> but it feeds this line to Dr. Loomis so he can say, you don't know what death is. And then cue the dramatic version of the theme song. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speed it up. Speed it up. <laughs> it was so dramatic. It belonged to like a CW show. You don't know what death is. <laughs> this is a whole new genre. Like, we're done being subtle, I guess. <laughs> I ain't got time to be settled on my own. Right? Uh-huh. He's stabbing uh-huh. people in front of the windows. We got to get going. What? <laughs> but then, yeah, because then we immediately switch to, just like in the first movie, we start in Michael's perspective. Mm-hmm. We're just following him around and sneaking in people's houses. And I love hate this because he gets to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> but also, it's like, why are you in these houses doing random shit? Like you, you know who you came here for. You know what you came here for. Right. He just popping up, and I really think I really had to think about it. And I was like, his whole purpose for the first like twenty minutes of this movie is he needs a knife. He <laughs> needs a, he needs a knife. <laughs> but then we'll get to this later. But he he leaves a knife. He right. goes and breaks in somewhere and leaves it. We'll get there though. Oh my God. I really will say, I really love this perspective. And again, I don't know the history of like cinematography and horror movies, but I love that we open with this kind of, we're in the killer's brain and we're seeing what he sees. Um, I really like that about these movies. If this wasn't the first, it was one of the first. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it definitely started a trend here. And also I, this, (laughs) <laughs> the first time I jumped in this movie was when he's walking around and that dog starts barking. And I'm like, okay. I was so, I was so nervous for that doggy. <laughs> we, we saw what he did to that last one. Right. right. I was like, oh God, no, not the dog. <laughs> but this movie is full of like little teeny jump scares. And I also love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely approached everything in a different way because like the first one which much more calmer much more subtle much more of a thriller and um, it's like psychologically messing with you with a couple of murders right and this one was like raise his body count so you're like i'm safe and it's like no you're not even when he's wandering around the neighborhood you're like is he gonna go after dr loomis because he can see him he's like no i need a knife <laughs> and he goes to bother these old people watching Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> which is funny because now we know that we killed him at least twice. Right. <laughs> so, like, irony. Right. Um, and the, got- really, the really interesting part, though, is that Michael only kills young adults. He does not kill these old people. He does not kill the children. He only goes after teenagers and, like, I would assume recently graduated teenagers. I mean, of the demographic of people. <laughs> <laughs> who deserve a little chastisement <laughs> I can respect his decisions here <laughs> right okay but did anyone else clock that so he goes so he goes with these old people he get, that's where he gets the knife and leaves little droplets of blood the old lady's like oh blood let me touch it uh, <laughs> and then we go to uh, their neighbor who is this teenage girl asking if the woman's okay 
She goes back. We can talk about her because she comes out when the old woman screams because she finds the blood around the knife and the ham sandwich she was making and her knife is gone. And she runs outside. She's like, are you okay, Mrs. Blah Blah? And then she goes back into her house and talks shit on Mrs. Blah Blah. And I'm like, what is this neighborhood? She gets on the phone and it's like, maybe it's domestic abuse. I'm like, you, what, what were you thinking you was doing? Like, going, are you okay? And then just leaving the situation. She what? literally says, she literally says, yeah, he probably got angry and decided to start beating her. Big deal. Right? Like, right? Excuse me? Right? What is this neighborhood? And why are they worthless? Because Lori couldn't get anybody to come outside or yell if she's okay. <laughs> Dr. Loomis had an audience of the law after he shot somebody. And then this bitch is just like, are you okay, Mrs. Blah Blah? Don't wait for her response. Go back in <laughs> and talk shit about it. <laughs> All like, of Michael is standing right in front of her. Like, how could she not see him? Right there. He right there. He was right. I I had questions. And so yeah, yeah, the whole like making fun of the domestic violence was just like, y'all, the seventies must have been wild. That's all I got to say about right? it. Right? People was not caring for their neighbors. <laughs> they needed to Mister Rogers up in this neighborhood. Right. Right. Also, her friend starts describing to her on the phone. Oh yeah, there's this murder that's happening or whatever, and she goes what and then walks over to the radio and turns directly to the right station <laughs> like no no tuning no nothing yeah. she just goes right to the right station and she's like well who is, who is this what what's going on i can't love that she gets caught up via her friend and this radio channel and when she turns around to find her door open and she hears noises in the other room she's like who's there Hello? Hello? I was like, go back out this back door where you was at a minute ago and leave the situation. She literally saw her front door wide open. On the street where people getting murdered. Like, it's on the news. Your friend is telling you, if if I turn around and this door is open, I'm going to try and climb away out my back window. Because you know what? I did not come to Indiana. Debbie <laughs> Michael Myers victim. <laughs> Listen, and Michael Myers just jumps up like Super Mario to stab somebody in the chest. Where <laughs> was he before that? Was he just like crouched down? <laughs> he, <laughs> had he had to be. I love it. Every time he kills somebody, he just kind of pops up like Super Mario. He's like. Okay, so here's my thesis of why I think she died. I think he needed a hideout while they, while the, all the police and the ambulances were still there at the, at the house. And so he needed a place to stay there until they all left. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> Thanks for letting me stay here. And then he didn't kill the old people because he was in their house to begin with. Michael Myers moves in mysterious ways. He got his William Shatner mask and his coveralls, and he don't care if we got questions. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then we see Lori getting carried out in that stretcher. And y'all, she looks rough. She looks rougher than she did at the end of the last movie. And this wig don't help. <laughs> Jamie Kirk's like, I did not wait around in that hair for three years. I got to figure this out. And they were like, oh, give her this wig and just keep her laying down. If she don't stand up, we won't know it's a wig. And it's like, we do. Listen, we see it. <laughs> it has been a rough night for her, okay? She done got stabbed. She got thrown down some steps. She had to chastise some children and tell them where they had to go. All her friends are dead. <laughs> All her friends are dead. She is not doing okay, okay? Mm-mm. The only person trying to help her is a doctor with a gun who speaking riddles. I don't understand. <laughs> His only words for the first 15 minutes of the movie is, I shot him six times. I shot him six times. I shot him six times. I'm just like Dr. Loomis. 
We get it. That that is peak grandparent, auntie, uncle energy of saying something that nobody else gets the context of. So you gotta be like, what he means is he strangled the sauce. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, and then why is everybody so casual in this ambulance? Because oh boy, it's just like, hey, you know this chick? And I'm like, chick. I'm Listen, sir, I might be unconscious and a little hurt, but I am offended. <laughs> right? Especially because, like, this is a murder. So you think that it would be bigger than it is. And they're like, who is she? Don't you go to school with her? I got a crush on her. And it's like, bigger things are happening. Right. But to be fair, at this point, because I was confused, too, they haven't found the other bodies yet. Because they're, okay. they're in her, where she was babysitting. True. Not till later on, because I was a little confused why that sheriff was not more upset. <laughs> yeah. But then I found out, oh, duh, he doesn't know yet. Right? But on her way to the hospital, we cut to some older woman and her child who are also right. going into the hospital, and the kid is bleeding from the mouth, and I couldn't tell what was in there. Was it a razor? Is it supposed to be that whole, people put shit in your kid's candy, be afraid? Because I kept hearing that as a child. Yeah. Is this what it's supposed to be? That was a lot of blood. Because... Yeah, it would be funny if that was a razor blade in her mouth and this was the assumed horror parents are worried about on Halloween. That never happened. And meanwhile, Michael Myers out there. <laughs> and that's some real horror. <laughs> yeah, it, it must have been a strong nod to something because I watched this with my friend Jackson and that was the first thing that he said. He was just like, so is this like when parents were like afraid of razors in the candy? And I was like, was that a thing? Part of the reason we were not allowed to trick or treat, aside from my parents just being the worst, um, is that like people would do things to the candy. They put razor blades and drugs in it. And I'm like, who got the time yes. to unwrap and rewrap candy to do shit to it? Listen, y'all, we ain't gonna put we're not gonna give drugs to your kids on Halloween. They cost too much. Right? Seriously. Yeah, I was like, that is insane but yeah that kid's mouth was not looking good it was ridiculous and i was like this has gotta be a nod to those parents and their weird paranoia mm -hmm. so then we get Lori coming into the hospital <laughs> right and as that the mom and son are walking in they almost get ran over by this ambulance <laughs> it was like they walked by that ambulance right there i was like damn okay there's, uh, an issue, there's an issue in this movie with traffic, and we will discuss. Right. <laughs> um, so, but then we get Lori going into the hospital. One of the uh, EMTs asks the nurse, like, where the doctor is, and she <laughs> said that he's been at the country club getting drunk. And that's when my first major question comes from. This town is big enough for a country club, but small enough so everybody know who Lori Strode is. Because everybody who's, like, put her in the ENT, who, like, got her rolling in on the radio, people about to be murdered in her neighborhood, like, oh, Lori Strode was in danger tonight. Oh, Lori Strode. <laughs> but we got a country club. So, like, how big is this town? Also, was there not another doctor to call that wasn't drunk? Uh, this hospital only employs five people. So, like... <laughs> I was just getting ready to say, we already established the hospital is severely understaffed. It's understaffed and it's dark because I guess they were like, if we only got five people working, we don't need lights on. Listen, they are growing <laughs> vampire babies. Like these poor children, just like in these this unit with no light. Right? Uh, also, where are these babies' parents at? Because you would think if they had the baby, they'd still be in the hospital. Unless it's one of them situations where people just like throw their babies and leave. Listen, we don't know what kind of hospital this was. I have questions. So many. 
I also have questions about, okay, um, back in the day, you must have had to be really strong to be an EMT because this gurney that they laid her on, I was like, wait a minute, you still have to lift it up with your strength? I'm really, listen, I've never had to use a gurney. I've never had, fortunately had to be on one, I don't think, but I'm thankful that we have mastered that technology. Cause I was like, I am not lifting up no woman into this ambulance in this way. My God. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so the do- then the drug doctor comes in because that's who you want sticking you with needles. <laughs> let me let me preface this, everyone listening, that I am deathly afraid of needles, and I don't know why they had to. She he stuck her with like thirty different medications. It felt like, and every single time they were like, "Let me show the needle going into the skin," and I was just like. Is it over yet? <laughs> it was bad. I was also confused, and maybe you guys can enlighten me. Why are we talking about a tetanus shot right now? My arm is wide open, bleeding. Can you stitch me up? I don't care about a tetanus shot. I want you to stitch me up. I think it goes back to these people not being able to understand what Michael Myers really is. So they're just like, you were stabbed by something and it might be dangerous. Are your shots up to date? I'm like, nobody cares if you die something later on. You gotta survive tonight. You gotta survive right, right now. <laughs> I'm, I was like, I'm sorry, I have a hole in my arm. Right. Can we worry about my <laughs> shots later? If this rest takes me out two weeks from now, that's fine. I gotta overcome Michael Myers. <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching, Doctor. There was a whole other movie. You might want to check that out real quick. <laughs> and I mean, Lori is the only one that gets it because the doctor, mm-hmm. the drug doctor, immediately wants to put her under. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, no, don't do that. She's like, he is, he is coming for me. They can't find the body. We gotta, I, can't, I gotta be awake because, like, y'all got five people working. I'm not safe. Yeah, I will say people that do questionable things. Yeah, I will say I was a little bit confused at her fear of sleep. I was like, what is happening? Is this turning into a Freddy Krueger thing? But only because like, I mean, ma'am, you've been running all night. You might need a nap, sis. You might you might need to take a 15 minute cat nap so you can regain your strength. (laughs) Okay, a cat nap maybe, but like not not induced by drugs. No. Fair, fair. Because you gotta like walk that off as we see later on. And she was like, I gotta be ready to run. Because I'm not safe in this town, and y'all keep leaving me in this town. Take me to a different hospital. <laughs> but Lori's not a fighter yet, so she gets no. the drugs. Right. This movie is character arc wise is very clearly like the same night because we haven't gotten a lot of that was one of my complaints in the first movie was that Lori is not the best um, fighter final girl like fuck you I'm gonna live person because she's just not there yet. You still don't see that. So we're still seeing she's in the middle of her arc to where she ends this movie at. Um, and then she gets even bigger as we go along the series. But um, yeah, you definitely, she is not a fighter yet. She ain't, she has not evolved to her final form. Yeah. And then, okay. So this next scene is Dr. Loomis and this cop in this car. And I just need to just point out here what is Dr. Loomis's accent? Like, is he supposed to be British? Is he supposed to sound distinguished? Or does he just have a mouthful of cheese? <laughs> because- I think he speaks an old man. Because <laughs> there's that character, so often we see this old man who just has a transatlantic everything accent because that's I- educated. 
I hated it. I mean, he was he said I think he said something to the cop like shine that light over there, but it came out as I was like, wait, what type of pirate film are we watching right now? It was confusing. Yeah, I don't really know either. If there's any dialect coaches out there that can help us out, let us know. Yeah, that was wild. I, I keep meaning to Google more about Donald Pleasance to see like where he started and like how. Um, yeah. Because he definitely did these until he was no longer with us. This became his career, much like Robert England did mostly Freddy Krueger. Interesting. Wow. Um, but yeah, and so the, they immediately catch this clearly small child, like not the size of Michael Myers, Dr. Loomis, mm-hmm. <laughs> walking in the street with a Michael Myers costume on. I'm confused. How was this this teenager, who looked like a 13-year-old, dressed as Michael Myers before Michael Myers was Michael Myers? I, I like, where's this costume? Back to them in the street. So like the cop and Dr. Loomis pull over because Dr. Loomis thinks he sees Michael Myers and immediately pulls out his gun, no questions. Even though Michael, this kid was talking to other kids. So you would think Michael Myers ain't got no friends. Dr. Loomis don't get no shits because he's like, that's him. And what's out of good to chase after him. And the sheriff was like, stop. And he's like, no. And he gets ready to shoot this kid. And the sheriff like knocks the gun down. And this kid turns around and be like, what the fuck is happening? And a cop car straight up takes him out because the cops' cars don't have brakes in this town. They just, uh, <laughs> they just suck on. Also, when, when the cops are telling you not to shoot, <laughs> when the cops are telling you not to shoot, you got a problem. problem. You go too far. Again, I need to know Dr. Loomis's credentials. <laughs> he has full authority over everybody in this town except Michael Myers. I'm just, I don't understand how he gets to just wield this gun around like a Jedi sword, like just doing whatever he wants. But yes, to the point of this kid just getting rammed by this police car. And then burnt. What? And then then it speeds into a a truck that explodes. I'm sorry. (laughs) We need to acknowledge that this cop was driving recklessly in a suburban neighborhood. I'm pretty sure that the speed limit was 10. What? I have so many questions, comments, and concerns about all this mess. <laughs> all right, here's, but I do, okay, because maybe one of y'all caught it, because I didn't. Was that the cop that came to tell the sheriff that his daughter was dead? No, that happened. That happened on the radio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, just cop is out here speeding because he can. Speed and, uh, no, no. He was he like, was... oh no, the Dunkin' Donuts is closing. I got to gun it. Seriously. We have one less kid wandering the streets. I'm saying they're just, I mean, and then, and this is where, this is how I know it wasn't him because I was like, when it happened, you hear the sirens coming and I'm like, oh, okay, thank God there's a firefighter who's going to come to save the day. Nope. It's just another officer being like, hey, I know this is crazy, but uh, there's another thing happening down the street that y'all should pay attention to. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. There was an explosion. They don't even put his put him out. They just let him burn like burn till the fire goes out. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, the town ain't got no water. We only got five people to the hospital. You know, we ain't got no firefighters. It was a lot. This Uh, was a lot. uh, This might be the pandemic talking, but Jimmy's kind of (laughs) cute. Jimmy is definitely that hopeless kid who he seems to want to do the right thing. He has the best of intentions, 
But if he would remove himself, perhaps some of us would be in less danger. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute, though. He's sweet. Anyway, moving. (laughs) I love this. I love this little cut scene before we get into the hospital. It's that mom again with her son who like evidently bit into a razor candy or something like that but he's trying to say something to her and she's like honey i don't know what you're saying we're gonna play some games or something when we get home and i just was like okay (laughs) like they just needed to insert this little scene real quick before we got in the hospital i thought that was cute So yeah, okay, so we're in Lori's room and she's kind of been knocked out. She's losing and Jimmy's in there talking to her and then the nurse comes in and tells him that he had, he got to go. <laughs> but he does not listen to this nurse <laughs> multiple times until she's like, Jimmy, get your ass out this room. <laughs> listen, and also, can we just acknowledge that this nurse's eyebrows oh. are stretched? <laughs> also, well, <laughs> they are wide across the space. She sees some stuff. <laughs> She's mad because everybody's late. She's ready to go. Right? Did she? Did she get off work? Is that what happened? Because she disappeared. She went. She's no, in like three things and then she's gone. I think she's the day slash early evening shift by herself, and then <laughs> these other five come in <laughs> and take it over the night. <laughs> Because she this, disappears after a while, which is good for her. Yeah, live. Um, but this reporter, I feel, was the original Gail Weathers because she was just like, we need their parents to sign off and stuff before we can interview them, but interview them anyways. <laughs> I was like, wipe out the rule if you don't care. <laughs> That's her only scene is to just be like, some of us is out here seeking out the story. <laughs> Nothing else to do with her. Right. Listen, I love Gail Weathers. There would never be another Gail Weathers. I think this was the original. Oh my goodness. No, she didn't have the hair. Gail Weathers' hair was higher than Jesus. So, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I'm confused about in this scene is why is everybody in the background just like staring? Everybody's, I mean, it's like the whole town is like, oh, what's happening? What? What? And they're all just looking. I'm like, this is silly right yeah because we go to the house now they're finding all the dead bodies mm-hmm. and the sheriff is now very upset and dr loomis is still like let me try to speak with you i love that his father is having an appropriate reaction to find out his daughter was just found upstairs and dr loomis is trying to use logic because he's like you brought him to this town he's like he drove himself <laughs> it's just like <laughs> i love you i i I felt very seen as somebody who would definitely be like, I, I did nothing. He brought himself here, just for the record. <laughs> but also it was funny to watch <laughs> from this perspective yeah. as instead of being the person who was like, but logically speaking. <laughs> I know you're very emotional right now, but. Yes. Right. Again, another yeah. reason why I need to see Dr. Loomis's credentials is because <laughs> He is just demanding people and telling people what to do. I mean, he tells this cop, yeah, remember the the kid that just was burnt up? Bring him to this place. We need to analyze those teeth. And I'm like, who are you? How do you just get to say what needs to happen in this town? (laughs) I don't understand. Logically, the only way I can make sense of like how long it takes for people to get from point A to point B is that this town is huge. But it's also small enough to have like a little town center. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, and I'm just so we go there and I have a question, and I want our listeners because I don't think it, either any of us can answer. But did people in the '80s really just walk around with boomboxes on their shoulder? Like, is that just what they did? You uh, never know when Electric Boogaloo is going to film, so you got to be ready at all times. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we go there. There's just some uh, ambient conversations happening. Some of them are talking about the murders and then there's on the radio. But Michael's just walking around. Hey, just what's going on? I'm back. Uh, <laughs> also, there's this incredible interaction that happens between one of the nurses and I guess her friend. And they must have been out shopping all day or something because the friend goes, well, you're still going to take me home, right? And the nurse goes... Uh, well, it's just, it's so late and I'm going to be late for work and you live five minutes this way and the hospital's five minutes that way. And I'm like, excuse me, bitch. Right. We drove out here together. You're going to take me home. Also what? five minutes in the grand scheme of things. Five minutes. Listen, you're already late. She said, I'm not taking your ass home. I'm going to be late. I was like, this, that is not your friend. <laughs> Can, Can you imagine? You? I wish, I wish, I wish when we were living together, I would have been like, LaBob, you take me to the train station right there. And he's like, that's three minutes that way. <laughs> I mean, like, what? <laughs> And then on top of that, y'all live in, this takes place in Haddonfield, Illinois. I could I could see if it was like in the city or something. And she's like, ah, girl, let me take you to the train station real quick. And then, you know, you can get home from there. She, we are in Haddonfield, West Bubba Fuck. And you <laughs> tell me you can't take me home. And we just both heard on the radio that there's a murderer. What kind of friendship is this? I need questions answered about this friendship. She's not a friend. She deserved right? everything she got in this movie. She did, though. Alone. <laughs> she got a lot. She got a lot. <laughs> so Michael is walking around trying to get to those hospitals. Taking in the sights, as you do when you come back home for a holiday. I mean, shit, it took, it took Lori and her friends three hours to walk home from school, so. <laughs> and, and he walked slower. Right. <laughs> so, right. So, and he, uh, still, he still somehow got to the hospital the same time old girl did. Listen, we need to stop underestimating Michael, okay? You, can, you can't stop a man in a William Shatner mask. He don't get no more shits. <laughs> so then we go to the EMTs and the, nurse, the nursing, nurses in the break room. And this dude is legitimately smoking out, like using surgical plants. <laughs> <laughs> The 70s were wild. We love to see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he starts cursing a lot. And that nurse is like, ah, you shouldn't curse. I'm a goody good. That's another nurse. I don't know. What happened to her? She was one of the ones that died. But like, it got real dicey. But also, I was just like, I love how we're concerned about Bud's potty mouth when we have Michael Myers en route to your hospital. I'm and saying. you got four other employees. Listen. We're worried about him cursing. Meanwhile, Michael Myers is just chilling out in the baby room. Right. <laughs> That's a bigger problem for me. That's a bigger problem. He never to newborns. We ain't got no parents, clearly. So I also love, I love how this franchise just shows how incompetent security guards are. This security guard is useless. Lord. Um, so yeah, that's how Michael gets in because uh, he ain't watching the cameras. And then we go to Lori's room. Uh, the nurse is talking with her. And I think Jimmy's in there again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy's like, this is my last job for the night. <laughs> and I'm like, people dying, Jimmy. I'm sure your ambulance is needed. 
At one point, they do have to go get the bodies, but that might be after this scene. I don't remember. No, it was after the last scene because he tells her he's going to get her a Coke, and then the guy's like, we got to go, and he's like, get you that Coke later. <laughs> <laughs> got to get some bodies first, then get you a Coke. Like, I yeah. don't understand. Get body to your friends, and I'll bring you a Coke. Right? Okay, just run an errand for bodies in the wagon. I just, Jimmy, Jimmy. I'll run through McDonald's on the way back and get you a Coke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> And then the nurse, so we're, we're back in the scene in, with the nurse and Jimmy in her room, and they're telling her they can't find her parents. Where the hell are her parents? I I love that they put so much detail into where they checked for these parents, because I'm just like, where's her parents at this point? And they're like, we called the party, and they left the party, and they're not home. And I was like, okay, that's more than I needed to know, but I'm happy you tried to find her parents. Right. But they never, I still don't know where her parents, are they dead? I, I think they might be. This part reminded me of the movie Hocus Pocus. You know, when the kids get home and then they're like, where's mom? Where's dad? I'm like, they're still dancing at the party. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where her parents are, but I'm sure Winifred and the Sanderson sisters got something to do with it. Um, so she's, the nurse is like, we're trying to find your parents and you know nobody knows where they are. So we're gonna keep calling people. Is there no other phone? Why she got to use the phone in the room with Lori? That's uh, awkward. She, she needs some rest. That's <laughs> awkward. It's like, You're trying to call and search for her parents while she's laying there in pain. Now, especially now that we know that Michael is in the building. Right. It's like, hey, have you seen the Strolls? I knew what they daughter They just got stabbed. Yeah, I think it's her brother. Um, <laughs> if you see them, let them know she's in distress. Are you okay, Lori? I got to get her call. Right, but Lori, Lori is the one that starts making the connections before anybody else does. She's like, "Why is he? Why me? Why? Yes. Why is this happening to me?" And all this when stuff. So I'm like, when she said that, I was like, mm, "I have a feeling that this is gonna be this is gonna be the theme of the next eighteen movies." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so then we cut to this scene with the security guard outside trying to check why the phones don't work and. Here we are with another attempt to touch blood with your bare hands. Why he opens a trash can, he sees that there's blood, which I mean, we don't even know why there's blood there. We don't we don't need to know why there's blood there. Maybe goes, that's where the parents are. Maybe hey, maybe. <laughs> and then he goes to reach for it and it's thwarted by a jump scare. We get a cat who jumps out of the and I was like yeah, that's what you get because you need to stop trying to touch blood with your bare hands. Right. You work for a hospital. Right. Right. But he continues to walk around, and then finally Michael's like, "Girl, you got to go. You're you're useless." <laughs> you <let me> <laughs> All right. So yeah, no, that scene with the security guard is we stay with him for a little bit a until he finally dies. Yeah, I mean, we get to him. He's like in the basement of the hospital, which somebody definitely needs to clean. Um, everything's out of order, out of place. He opens doors and things fall on him like an infomercial. Um, <laughs> if they could hire just one more person, it should be a cleaning staff. <laughs> <laughs> right. And but, finally, but, yeah. And I think ahead. they were trying to like raise tension in the scene with him. But like, I, it didn't work for me because I didn't care about him. If it had been like Jimmy or somebody, I would have been like, I don't want him to die, but like. Did this guard even have a name? I couldn't tell you. 
I think it was like Garrett or something. And the only reason why I know that is because the only reason why I know that is because the the nurse who had the other walkie-talkie was also useless. And she kept being like, Garrett, Garrett, I don't know how to work this thing. What's going on? And like like, like walkie-talkies are real difficult to figure out. I'm like, right? oh, you press the button on the side, that's it. <laughs> And and then we find out the kid who was not Michael Myers that killed is Ben Dramer, which is a full circle for this character because the girls talked about him the whole first movie. And he was out here dressed as Michael Myers, which also, weird choice, dressed like her brother. But, <laughs> and we only see him as Dr. Loomis almost shoots him and then he gets driven into a fire. Right. <laughs> And they, well, they they find out because of his teeth because they fucking let him burn for hours, I guess. Right, and also, um, is anybody going to point out that these were all gold teeth? <laughs> like, I don't know what the budget was here for this scene in this movie, but they they were all gold teeth, and I was like, this seventeen year old had a full set of gold teeth in his mouth. What? what happened? That's why the girls wanted him. What? <laughs> <laughs> And again, <laughs> nobody is phased by the fact that this 17-year-old was burning in flames and squished between a cop car. Nobody cares about that. They're just like, yep, it's a Halloween in Haddonfield. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to um, one of the nurses, and she is looking at the babies. This is, when, this is when we see the babies, isn't it? Or is that earlier? We've seen them a couple times at this point, because they wanted to let us know other things happen in this hospital. <laughs> but it just lets them more questions. Right. So we see her and one of the lights comes on in the room. I guess that's what how they communicate. Where were these lights in the third movie? Sorry, full circle here. Where were these lights in the third movie when that guy was dying? Uh, <laughs> trash. Um, so, yeah. And so she goes in there and she pulls up the, the uh, blanket and it's, what's his name? The, Bud. Bud. Yeah. What kind of name is that? They just were like, we don't like him. Call him something. <laughs> and so that's what happened, bud. But my favorite moment, aside from this weird non-chemistry couple who screws around in the hospital, because... Oh, my God. And also, what's the deal with everybody being so frisky on Halloween? Right? It was, I mean, it happened in the first movie. Everybody just wants to have sex. Did I miss something? What happened to Valentine's Day? <laughs> Everybody's trying to fuck on October 31st. It Listen. It sense. <laughs> Listen, some people even take Valentine's Day and do a Halloween party on Valentine's Day. So Listen, throw it all away. There is no reason why we got to have sex and be frisky on October 31st. Maybe it's the beginning of cuffing season and that's how they started out. Maybe that's what it is. And then she's, the, you know, she says to him, well, you know, I, I, I just can't leave the kids tonight. And she's literally referencing all the babies that we've seen. <laughs> Newborn and she's babies. so concerned because she was 15 minutes late. <laughs> right. And his horny ass says, what's everybody's deal tonight? Everybody's talking about all this Michael Myers stuff. And I'm like, Sir, <laughs> you have got your priorities all the way screwed up. It's so typical 80s horror movie though, especially the slasher genre because it's always like, he's like gotta get it in. And she's like, I heard something. Is that a person in the window? And he's like gotta get it in. And, <laughs> and then they like get naked and then of course the thing she saw in the window slash heard slash they just ran from is like ah, 
it's a trope as old as time, and I don't know how and why it's in so many slasher movies. <laughs> and then we go to Lori having her, having a little dream sequence. She this remembering is- things. It's all coming back to her now. <laughs> well, okay. Also, what adoptive parent literally tells their child, I've been telling you that I'm not your mother. <laughs> These roads, they might need to die. Okay, I, I might not care where they at now. <laughs> they might be dead. I, I appreciate the consistency because all horror movie parents are trash. And so even the adopted ones, because okay. like we took you in, but we don't like you. Also, it's like you to see your brother with no context. I guess you're having flashbacks to seeing a guy in like a mental institution. You have to, you kind of like brace somebody. She's just standing there with her teddy bear like, what is going on? No wonder she repressed all these memories. Right. <laughs> and then and then we go to the hot tub. Do all hospitals have hot tubs? I'm just curious. I think it's for physical therapy patients, but like this is not sanitary to get in there and do all this shit. <laughs> and then be like, let's go ahead and bring down Mr. Woober tomorrow. <laughs> Who cleans it with a staff of five people? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're getting up in this hot tub. We get our boobs in the hospital now. Had to find a way. Yep. Uh, we also get some man butt up in this hospital. Mm-hmm. To, love, to go check. A man butt. You know, yeah. it was better than man butt in the third movie. So I got to give it something. <laughs> I I clocked the three times we had to like see her boobs because of course you have what she's getting ready to come out before she puts the towel on. And then you have when she gets into the hot tub with Bud and takes the towel off. Right. And then, like, you have her get out of the hot tub while Michael is strangling Bud behind her and she can't hear because, of course. And she's, like, wrapping the towel back around. And then, literally, as Michael Myers is killing her, but first, like, she has to be like, Bud, I'm busy, because she's supposed to hands on her back and she ain't looking around, because why would you in a horror movie? And, like, this, like, a hand, which can't smell right, <laughs> and has to look awful, okay. makes its way to her face and she puts it in her hand. I was like, ooh, she was going to die from many things tonight. And so, like... <laughs> As right. Michael also, kills her, as Michael kills her, her towel falls off. So we have to watch her face melt as her boobs are just out and about in the air. Right. Right. All right. I have two questions. Number one, did she really think this horny dude put his clothes back on when he went to go turn the, the, the heat down? Michael's hand cannot smell and look right at this point. He's murdered too many people <laughs> and done too many things. <laughs> I. And number two, would his hand not also have burned... <laughs> Listen, if there's one thing that I have learned in the two movies that I have seen about Michael is that he is clearly invincible. And if Loomis's shooting him six times didn't do it, then this boiling water is just like a relaxing jacuzzi. (laughs) It's like a spa day. It's like a spa day for him. He is unfazed, unscathed, unbothered. Maybe it helped him clean his hands. He needed it because he's his hands have been in a lot of people tonight. I need yeah. him to get some soap. <laughs> yeah, I'm concerned. Uh. Oh, and then we go to the Loomis, and they're in the Myers house, and the doctor from or the nurse from the asylum comes up and tells him that the governor says he got to go. Why did they send the nurse to Haddonfield? Um, this is the nurse from the car scene at the top of the first one. They chose her, the mayor, and like this hospital to come find Dr. Loomis. And I need John Carpenter to understand the roles of people who are employed in hospitals because it get real murky and real blurry real fast in this one and the third one. Because it's just like, I do autopsies, but also I do detective work. And it's like, what is this? What is this? (laughs) Yeah, and she 
essentially tells him that they don't want him there anymore because the governor doesn't like the political image that it's giving them. And that's when I'd be like, who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? Right. Politicians. So so we go back to the hospital where Lori has relaxed. She needs to save herself. Yes, she's she's disappeared. So the nurse find out that she's gone. She's disappeared. And they all start freaking out. And Jimmy and her are like, we're going to find her. We're going to look for her. Well, this nurse, well, the nurse, female nurse goes to the doctor's office and she turns him. I don't, she keeps calling his name. Like, okay, girl, if he didn't answer you the first time and the shower's wrong, something's wrong. Just what, what, what are we doing here? Right. What are we doing and, here? And then she sees him sitting in his chair with his back to her, obviously. And she turns him around and he's got a needle in his eye. Now, I have already said that I hate needles. Ooh. And as she's backing up, Michael, you see him start to appear. This the this movie and the first movie really does this these shots well to where he's just in the darkness in the back. And you don't notice him until mm-hmm. you're backing up and then the white mask starts to come into, into view. And it yeah. was terrifying but then he used another fucking needle to kill her um which yeah he puts air in her blood system which killed her would that that kill you that quickly i guess it would i mean first of all it would take a lot of air yeah so i mean we're gonna give it to him but it would take a lot of air for that to really work in the way that it did (laughs) but i did but i did hate how slowly it happened it was like he oh. like slowly shoved it in her eye and i was like oh, okay all right it was not okay with me yeah and so they're out here looking for lori um <laughs> nurse is dead jimmy's not dead yet jimmy opens the door and sees a dead nurse and instead of jimmy being like let me not it just hit me. That's the nurse. I was more, I was like, where is she at? Where she? Yeah, I, just I just realized that that's her. She didn't live. Damn it. Right. <laughs> so Jimmy's like, oh no, I got to touch this dead body because that's what we do in this movie. And so he goes to touch it and he turns around to run and slips in the pool of blood. And this is the saddest death of the franchise because Jimmy kills himself basically by going to touch this dead nurse and then trying to run in a pool of blood. That's a gigantic pool. It's like a little bitty bloody lake. Yeah. <laughs> what what Jay, what Michael did was he put a cat like a catheter essentially in her arm and mm-hmm. she fled to death. So it's uh, all the blood that's in her body is now on this floor. Yes. You know, I will say, <laughs> um, this was really sad for Jimmy. <laughs> it was really sad because I liked him as a character in this movie, but. I let out the most amazing laugh when this happened. Yes. Because it was definitely like a Mortal Kombat whoopsie. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh no, he slips. And again, the reason why is because everybody has this obsession with touching blood. Right, right. Leave it alone. Every time I see this movie, I laugh, and then I'm like, he killed himself, and that's the saddest death. But I can't not laugh, but I can't not feel bad. And uh, <laughs> It's like, Jimmy, you could have opened that door, and you saw this woman, and that could have been it. You could have just walked out. He could have been alive, because Michael was, he was never on Michael's radar. Michael's like, I'm not concerned with Jimmy. Right. <laughs> he could have lived had he not gone in the room. Poor Jimmy. We cut to the other nurse who's still alive, the last one. And she goes outside, sees that all the cars are fucked up. And instead of her continuing to not be in the building, she goes back into the hospital. 
because if your phones are dead, your staff is dead, your lights are off, and the cars are fucked up, clearly you safe there. She right. Had to, she had to go in there and protect them babies, Sheree. I got no parents. I'm sorry. Like, how far out in the wilderness is this hospital? I would have walked to the nearest phone, pay phone, whatever, it's the 70s, they're everywhere, and called for help. She got two feet. She might not have a car. She Okay. She wasn't worried about the babies, but she was trying to get in her car and leave. Right. Right. Now she had a walk down. She's like, oh, I guess we all resigned our fates. Let me go back here. I, I would still be out wandering the universe because I feel like the chances of survival are better away right. from the building of dead people and the murderer. Mm, 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 mm. Right. Whatever's out there. Right. Yeah. So um, then she goes back in and she sees Lori. And calls her name like a narc. How you got, you know, you know who Michael here for. You know what's going on. Why are you going to be like, Lori? Lori? <laughs> And Lori turns around and she's like, I'm drunk, but don't say my name, bitch. And Lori's like, no, I can't get away from this noise. <laughs> and tries to limp away. And she's like, Lori. And Michael's like, thank you for finding her for me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going after her now. And now Lori's like, oh, shit. Now I got to, like, run limp. <laughs> so, like, oh my can we also talk about how Michael Myers just stabbed this girl with a, with a little bit of scal- scalpel and lifted her off the ground with the scalpel again <laughs> I have mad respect for Michael Myers <laughs> because his abilities continue to wow me in every movie I was like how is he lifting this woman up like this oh my god and Lori's <laughs> just like ah <laughs> Her delirious ass, broken ankle ass, right? do nothing. This is the first murder Lori has actually witnessed, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She sees the dead bodies of her friends. And I will say, this chase scene that we're about to get into is super effective. And, like, I liked it. It's like Again. up there with, like, the Helen chase scene. And I, did, I know what you did last summer for me. Again, it's the music. Because it's the da da and it's very effective for pulses. I, I'm like, oh no, I synced up with that. I don't want this. And the slowest elevator ever made known to man. That oh, elevator took 15 my. seconds to start moving. Right. I was like, ma'am, there's gotta be another way out of this hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Lori finally makes it out of the out of the uh, hospital and into the parking lot, and she gets and she gets into the car to hide right which i think i i don't know that i would get myself into i mean i would find somewhere to hide but like i would still have multiple ways of getting out of that place if i were to be found i mean all the time of all the time that elapsed i would have been trying to get this car to start so that i can leave wonder if she can't drive perhaps yeah because a small town her she usually has friends who drive her everywhere I wonder if her parents, who her adopted parents who talked, trashed her, would never <laughs> like, let us help you get a permit. And right. I wonder if that's another way in which she's a victim and that if there were a key, she would, and there were no keys either. Cause they were, right. as we know, on Jimmy. <laughs> right, Jimmy's ass, here he comes. And, and it would have made noise and she probably didn't want to call, call attention to herself. Fair enough, fair enough. But you still got two feet. One of them is hurt, I understand, but you've been running on it anyway. I'm saying, you better keep going. Down right. the street. <laughs> He's gonna catch me trying, that's for damn sure. I'm like, you better follow this uh, burning child smell and get to the middle <laughs> of the road where uh, old boy is still burning in the middle of the street. <laughs> <laughs> Like her 
peeping over the dashboard in this car is a throwback to her peeping over the couch in the first movie. Mm. And in all these decades of watching these back to back, I never caught that until now. Mm. Because it's even the same angle. It's the same amount of forehead. It's the same look of fear. <laughs> Lori just be peeping. She, she be do. peeping do. everywhere. She do. She be peeping. <laughs> so then our dear friend Jimmy who I guess is not dead yet, uh, decides that he's, I guess it's his car that she just magically found and got in. And then he doesn't lock his car when he gets out of it, I guess. Uh, he was a custom soul, Jimmy. <laughs> and so he gets in the car, he starts trying to get it started, it won't start, and then he dies. He dies so that his head hits the horn. I love that his last words to her are unfinished as he like falls onto the horn with his head to let Michael know where she is. Right. Um, if this is not the most well-intentioned white man. What? <laughs> right. So we're set in a hospital and he's trying oh to save God. her, but he's also dying. <laughs> it was so bad. I was like, oh God, this poor woman. Also, I don't know what kind of car this was, but I need to know how she crouched her right? somewhere in the, how she crouched under them seats like that. That was a luxury model. I was I like, there must be five whole <laughs> feet in between her. It, that car had to have been bigger than my first couple studio apartments I'm because saying. she was down there. And she then, was all the way down there. And even and when Jimmy got in, they had space. They weren't touching. And I was right. like... And Jamie Lee Curtis is not a small woman. She is so tall. <laughs> I was like, how is she crouched underneath these seats like this? <laughs> She's determined. Uh, so, but she pulls him off. She figured out she can't start the car. And then she gets out and she sees... Loom, they've now arrived at the hospital. Oh, and we oh, we missed the Dr. scene. Dr. Loomis and the nurse were talking, and they figured out that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. So Dr. Loomis pulls his gun out again on the cop that was driving him out of town and was like, take him to the hospital. And he's like, oh, no, I got to listen to you because I'm a cop, but you're an old man with a gun. So <laughs> he drives to the hospital, and this is where they show up. Show the best thing about Dr. that was... Loomis's credentials. <laughs> The best thing about that is when she told him, she was like, okay, I gotta tell you a secret. <laughs> it's such a secret. It's a government secret. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? Right? Because he thought he'd seen all the files and they right. sealed some shit. And I was like, you sealed the weirdest shit because like she came <laughs> to see her brother. So I don't think it was a big secret. <laughs> Again, and, and his cheesy, his cheese filled mouth like accent comes back because he's like, what are you talking about? Turn the car around. Turn the car around. I'm like, sir, I need you to enunciate and stop wielding this gun at me. So then we see them pull in and she's on the ground and she apparently she can't scream until they're inside the house, inside the hospital. Listen, I almost turned my TV off <laughs> at this moment. I was like, no, she didn't sit there and wait to scream until they got into the whole building. She showed in. She did. She did. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, Michael's appeared down behind her. And she's now, now she can get up and run. She can't just crawl. And uh, she gets up. Adrenaline is a thing I, I do understand for anybody who tries to come at me. And she gets to the door and she's banging on it, similar to the first movie when she's banging on the front door trying to get Jimmy Boy, whatever his name was, down mm-hmm. to open the door for her, which they finally do. And then Michael Myers walks through the door. <laughs> what I love is he didn't run at it. He didn't put any like weight into it. He just steps through it and it shatters. 
because Michael Myers will not be stopped. He's like, I have a goal and I will attain it. I'm going to manifest what I want in my future. <laughs> the glass doors be damned. <laughs> oh my God. I loved this part so much because yes, he just literally stepped through this glass. And also there was like, obviously it's a movie, so you got to give it some whatever. And it's from the eighties, but there was this moment where he kind of like trips up a little bit that like they, they must've forgot to cut out because he like walks through the glass and then he kind of trips a little bit and then he stands straight. And I was like, you just a dude under there. <laughs> just, just the dude. Yeah, they had one take and he fucked it up. Because <laughs> they only had one last door. All he had to do was keep right. his shit together. <laughs> Dr. Loomis pulls out his gun, as you do. And yeah, he shot him a few times and I he goes don't. down. Did he not learn his lesson? Did he not learn? I'm sorry. Is this the same movie that opened with Dr. Loomis screaming at the top of his lungs? I shot him six times. I shot him six times. I I shot him six times. Why are you shooting again? Right? Like literally. But he he does it. And then the the cop that drove them here appears and wants to touch the body. And Loomis like, don't do it. I'll shoot you. (laughs) And he's like, but I gotta touch it because this is what we do in this movie. (laughs) And so he's there jonesing to touch this body. (laughs) Also, he tells the nurse to go out to the cop car and call in that they need help. And the cop's like, I'm the only one that could use that machine. And (laughs) Dr. Loomis is like, shut the fuck up. You go on. And so she like steps over the body, squeezing by the cop who is still looking at the body because he got to touch it. Cause like, they didn't have entertainment in Haddonfield in the seventies, eighties, and so you got to touch dead bodies to be entertained. While Doctor Loomis takes his eye off of the cop to be like, "Lori, it's okay, it's okay, Lori, it's okay." This cop straddles Michael Myers, who's spread on the floor, because he's like, "He ain't gonna look. I'm gonna touch him and then some." So he's like down here. <laughs> like, is he trying to give him mouth to mouth with us? Is he yarding him? Like what the fuck? And so, of course, Michael's like, well, if my prey is going to come to me, I guess I'll just kill it real quick. Right. And now Dr. Loomis is like, oh, shit. And so they run in again. <laughs> and then we got another chase. Right. And then and they run into the, the makeup of this hospital is very strange. I couldn't. Granted, I'm not like a hospital expert. So maybe I just don't know these rooms. But they run into like this room that has a bunch of rooms attached to it. And the rooms that are attached to it look like surgical rooms. So do you have like a bunch of, is that like the lobby for the surgery room? <laughs> <Or> like, <laughs> so yeah, eventually they get into this like surgical room. And of course, my, he gives Gloria a gun. She's like, I don't want that. You, <laughs> clearly it has not worked. I don't know why you're so attached to these things. <laughs> but Michael gets in, finally. Beats that dough down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dr. Loomis is there waiting for him with his gun, which is out of bullets. Because Dr. Loomis forgot to count the bullets. After shooting no, Michael 12 times tonight. Listen, he shot him six times, Sheree. He only had no more bullets. <laughs> he he no shot more. him more than that now, but he shot him this last time, too. Right? <laughs> so, clearly, Michael's like, you done fucked up, Dr. Looms. <laughs> and stabs him. <laughs> and goes for his sister, who magically knows how to use a gun now, and that she has to. Right. both his eyes. <laughs> She's <Okay>. like... <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. That was my question, because when I watched this, I was like, I'm sorry, am I supposed to believe that she shot him dead in the eyes? 
And it didn't kill him, I guess. And like it didn't kill him. And instead they chose to make this moment a cheesy moment where they're like, oh, bloody tears. I was like, get out of here. Right? But again, Michael is on a mission and will not be stopped. He's like, I need to see you to stab you. And starts <laughs> swinging. He's like, I'll stab somebody in this bitch. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is dedication to one's craft. And <laughs> Yeah, and so they're filling this room up with gas as he's swinging his knife around. And the, yeah. was the purpose here to like just cause noise so that he didn't know where to swing? I think that, and they wanted to like because it, it like Loomis would turn one on, he would go after Loomis, and then Lori would turn one on, he'd go after Lori. Right, right. They were just trying to keep him discombobulated while filling the room up with gas so that they could kill him by explosion. Mm. Bullets didn't work, so we don't try fire. I mean, hey. And next we'll try earth and then wind <laughs> and then water. And when we summon Captain Planet, Planet. <laughs> when we summon Captain Planet, they'll figure it out. <laughs> How do you kill him with heart though? That's my favorite one. <laughs> I have a feeling Lori's gonna take care of that. <laughs> So they fill this room up with gas, and then he tells Lori to get out. So Lori starts to run uh, as best she can with her her hurt ankle and her head full of drugs. Okay, so then Loomis lights the lighter, and the room explodes. So Lori has survived, and then we see them in the parking lot, and they are forcing her to climb up into another ambulance. (laughs) Rude. It's rude. She had been stabbed. She messed up her ankle. She's been terrorized in your understaffed hospital. She... Parts of her are on smoking fire, and you're gonna be like, You get that ambulance, girl. We ain't got no like, <laughs> we couldn't fight, hire two more people to lift you again. You gotta like figure it out. But that nurse also survived because she went out there and got on that radio. She did not come back in. Because, unlike the other nurses, she was like, There's danger in there. <laughs> right. Listen, all I, my main takeaway from this movie is that I need Lori to be in it. A healthy condition the next time I see her. Yes. I'm tired of seeing her like hunched over, delirious, broken ankle. And I have a feeling I'm not gonna get my wish, but I just really need to see her healthy. Well, <laughs> I will I will continue on my Halloween journey. This this I, I will say I love the first movie. I actually really liked the second movie. I was very interested in it. Probs won't watch the third via your <laughs> your recommendation, but I will continue the journey to see where the hell we end up with this nonsense. <laughs> it, it gets real wild in the 90s and the early aughts. Let's just say that. So hot takes for Halloween yes. too. Yes. Um, my hot take is I prefer this movie to the first movie. Let me, <laughs> let me defend myself. This movie is more stressful. I was far more stressed in this movie than I was in the first movie because she can't leave. Usually I'm like, okay, you can just leave. Go, bye. Why are you still doing here? But this time I'm like, fuck, you're stuck. You are stuck in this hospital. Because eventually she's going to be walking on this hurt ankle and like you can't move that fast. You're not going to get very far. And so, and clearly there's only five people this entire hospital. So she is stuck and she's alone and he is after her. To me, that is much more terrifying than the first movie. I love both of them though. So let me preface it with that too. That's my hot take. I mean, I guess if I had any hot takes, it would be knowing that this movie is a is a like franchise and like there are many of these movies. I actually didn't expect them to give us the the information about her being him, his sister so easily. I was like, aren't, shouldn't we have to like fight for that information? I feel like they were like, 
oh yeah, by the way, that's his sister. Ah, and I was like, it's a secret. I was like, okay, well that gives it all away now. Now I don't. Now I know why he's why he's chasing her. I'm not. I'm uninterested. But I will say that I did like. I mean, I liked both of them. I did like this movie a little bit better just because there was much more to be afraid of or not necessarily more to be afraid of, but there was more to like be concerned about. There were different things to be concerned about. My hot take is while I I love this movie, I feel like the first two specifically stand out for many, many reasons in the horror genre, the slasher genre, Jamie Lee Curtis's resume, what have you. Um, I feel the first one is better because like their lack of a budget doesn't bother me as much in the first one as here we have five people working in a hospital by themselves. And that's a red flag for me. Um, you can't you can't just turn lights off in the hospital like you can in these homes and be like, I know you couldn't afford extra lamps, John Carpenter. I forgive you. Here it's like you in a hospital. You need some light, honey. Um, I also feel like the first one just it, it handled the terror better because it was mostly left up to us in our own heads being like, is he going to come for her right here in broad daylight? Because we don't know Michael yet. And whereas here, Michael's like, I'm killing everybody. So it's less special. He's like, y'all did. Everybody did. It's, <laughs> it's less special because in the first one, he kills three people and a dog. And each one stays with you because you were like, I thought we were gonna not kill people, Michael. I, what, 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 when did we switch? And he's like, I have no rhyme or reason. I'm in a William Shatner mask. So yeah, that's my hot take. And I'm gonna carry over my hot take from the last episode as well. And that this franchise is a family drama. It's the family drama we need. Yeah. I will also say a second hot take that I needed to talk about from last episode and to update my hot take is um, I was not saying that Jamie Lee Curtis does not deserve to be like the screen queen because I forget how many horror films she was in because I mean, she's in Halloween's she's in the, the mist she's in prom night. She's in um, a couple others too. Like she, so like, when I think of Scream Queens, I think of like Nev Campbell, but Nev Campbell was only in Scream. Now, granted, I love Scream, mm-hmm. but like and she's in the entire series, but like Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I'm going to do this horror film and that horror film and that horror film and that horror film. Nev tried to get distance from the horror genre because she was like, I love y'all, but also I want to be a serious actor. And Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I got to make a name for myself because y'all want to hire me because of my parents. Right, and I kind right. of love that about her. Like, that's why I still follow her. And I mean, she's still doing it because like she came like she did. She did have a very large break where she wasn't doing horror. But then she came back. No spoilers. So I won't say when, but she did come back to the Halloween franchise and she did come back. She did like Scream Queens with Ryan Murphy. She did. And she came back to the new Halloween reimaginings of Halloween. So, yeah, she's she is. That, she doesn't take herself too seriously. And I think that's what makes me love her. Like she's she's like one of us that just happens to come from a family where she shouldn't be one of us. That's it. That's Halloween 2. Sheree, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to do Halloween 4 because we're going to just follow this family. Now that we got three out the way, what are they going to do with this family? Um, it's the first family of horror, if you will. We're spending this month with horror's favorite older brother, Michael Myers. So get yourselves ready. Yeah. So uh, again, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email us your thoughts on Halloween 1 and 2 at, at nightmareonfearstreet at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Let us know what you would like us to do in the future. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Labab Larab for um, being on the show and talking about Michael with us. 
Thanks, LaCroix. You're so welcome, Shirley. (laughs) And remind everyone where they can find all your exciting projects on the socials. Find me on Instagram at Rob Payton, R-O-B-B Payton. Um, You can find Hearing in Color, my organization, on Instagram as well. Check us out. Um, But definitely follow Nightmare on Fear Street. They're doing great stuff. Love listening to this podcast. It's so fun. Um, Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, everyone. Make sure you um, stay fierce out there. Bye.